Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. On today's mini podcast, I will be reviewing the new James Bond movie, No Time to Die, and also giving you a sneak peek at my Patreon-only episode with comedian Cameron James. My name is Hamilton, Justin Hamilton, and you're listening to Big Squid. for stopping by and joining me today for this special mini podcast. Uh, so essentially what I would normally do is I'd normally put a movie review with, uh, you know, like an interview like we did this week with Rebecca Melrose and uh, the movie The Eternals. And w- what I thought was, I feel like this James Bond movie is really big. It's one that we've been waiting for for quite a long time. And I didn't want to discuss it without uh, dropping some spoilers. So, and just giving you a heads up, there will be spoilers. I'm going to give away the ending. So if you are keen to see the film and you don't want anything ruined, then put this podcast aside and listen to it later. Uh, The reason I didn't put it with an interview or something is because, you know, sometimes you might be doing things like getting dinner ready or going for a run or you're driving and you just kind of miss that I'm going to uh, drop some spoilers and then suddenly, you know, you're halfway through the review and I'm telling you, and Bond turns into Nick Fury and you're like, ah, shit, how did that happen? (laughs) So I thought what I'll do is I'll just put this in its own little podcast and you just know right from the start, if you don't want it ruined, if you don't want any spoilers, then do not listen to the rest of this. Look, this is just my way of saying I really do look out for you. (laughs) That's what I'm saying. I really do think about you and I don't want to ruin anything uh, in the process. And it was also like, I know I could have done a review without giving anything away, but I don't know. It just, it feels like you have to discuss it properly. It's 
specifically this film. So anyway, so this will be the review of the final Daniel Craig James Bond movie. And as a bonus, I'm throwing in a little snippet of my Patreon-only episode with Total Reboot and Why Is Cats co-host Cameron James. Uh, That will be released for the subscribers next week. So I thought I'd give you a little taste of it now. Uh, For those of you who aren't signed up to the Patreon, you can sign up for whichever tier suits you and receive bonus podcasts, early looks at works in progress. Uh, A couple of weeks ago, everyone got uh, a look at a new segment we're working on called Beautiful Tales for the Disenchanted, and I wanted to give them a taste for that. And uh, also you get access to the scripts that go into each and every episode. And as you can well imagine with some of the deep dives we do, there is a lot of information that you can miss out on while listening. So having the scripts can help you go back and find some of the starting points for our conversations and some of the information that we discuss. Uh, If you'd like to sign up, head over to the Patreon site and look up Justin Hamilton Big Squid and you'll find a tier that suits you. Uh, As a patron, you also have an episode of Big Squid that is dedicated to you and today's shout out goes to Laura Elliott. Laura, I hope you're a Bond fan and enjoy this early taste of Cameron James' work on the podcast as well. I don't know, Laura, uh, you're probably aware, as most of our uh, long-time listeners are, the first Q&A with Rove, that was meant to be like 30 minutes, 30, 40 minutes, and uh, went well over that, and this one is the same. Uh, the one with Cameron James, I was like, this is going to really come in at a nice 35 minutes, and it's, meh, you know, an hour 47 so anyway, <laughs> but it's great. I learned so much about Cam that I'd never learned before. It's really entertaining. And it also kind of gives you a bit of a hint as to where his uh, career started, which, well, you know what? It wasn't in comedy. Why don't we have a little listen now uh, to uh, Cam talking about his early years playing in rock bands. And uh, Laura, uh You'll have access to the rest of this next week, but I I hope you enjoyed this little snippet of what it was like to be a young Cam James, being a rock star. Played in a couple of bands, but one in Newcastle was called The Fictions, and uh, and I was the front man, and so I played guitar, but then for some of the songs, I would put the guitar down and just sing, um, just with a microphone. Wow. And I would like jump off the stage because I was a big Iggy Pop fan, yeah. so and Bowie and stuff. So I wanted to be a big performer, yeah. And Michael Hutchins, so I would like jump off the stage and be like crawling around while I was singing and yeah. stuff. And like uh, one thing I would do, I, I copied this from Bowie, I think, was uh, you know, in the uh, Spiders from Mars band yeah. who was the guitarist was it Mick, Mick Ronson Mick Ronson yeah um, they would do Bowie and Mick Ronson would do this thing where they'd like where Bowie would bite on Mick Ronson's guitar yeah, strings it was like he's kind of it looked like he was sucking him off yeah I basically uh, did that Amazing. I basically ripped that off great from Bowie except I would use the microphone like yeah. what we're holding now and I would play the guitar strings of my guitarist guitar with that but I'd be down on my knees in front of him and oh look, yeah and I look yeah I was just copying Bowie like I'd be like yeah it looks like I'm sucking him off This is, and it's making a crazy noise <laughs> this is awesome this is fucking rock and roll but now when I look back on it I'm like it just looks like I'm kind of in a sketch right. about 
about a rock and roll guy. <laughs> like it would be in a skid house or some <laughs> right, shit. Right. It was just like a parody essentially of yeah. rock and roll. The what kind of music were you playing? And that's the other thing. Country, like Western. we did yeah, <laughs> Opera. <laughs> um, well, that's the other thing is like we never truly, truly settled on a sound right. because we just um, didn't have we didn't have one, right. and we weren't artistic enough to have our own thing. We just yeah. listened to things that we liked and went, oh, it'd be cool to sound like that. Yeah, and then you know, so for one week we'd be. Um, We'd be really into Nick Cave, Nick right. Cave, or whatever. And then the next week, we'd be like, you know what? We should be more like Jet, actually. Right. And then the week after that, it was, oh, but Franz Ferdinand are cool, and they've got a cool thing. Let's yeah. maybe be more like that. We just never settled on a never sound, settled. Do, uh, which is fine, also. But it's like you, you have to stick it at longer. Yeah. To let it settle, don't you? I think you can change, like as we were talking about with Mr. Bungle earlier, yeah. like you can change album to album, but um, probably not song to song. Not no song to song. List. It's like, what is happening here? <laughs> the, do you think you were too self-aware yeah. to be a rock star? Oh, yeah, uh, probably. Because I have a lot of sh- inbuilt shame and embarrassment and uh, I probably don't have the... I think to be a, an, an uh, artistic person in the music world... You need to not have that. Isn't that great? (laughs) I loved it. And the rest of that podcast is fantastic. So uh, if you're keen to uh, check it out and you're not a Patreon subscriber, please do so. Now it's time to check in with James Bond, who now enjoys a tranquil life in Jamaica after retiring from active service for his country. His peaceful world, though, is upended when his old CIA friend Felix Leiter shows up and asks for his help. Soon the mission to rescue a kidnapped scientist turns out to be far more treacherous than expected, as he must find a mysterious villain who is not only armed with dangerous new technology but also has ties to Bond's past. And not necessarily directly to his past either. Hmm, what does that all mean? Let's discuss Daniel Craig's last Bond adventure in No Time to Die. The past isn't dead. James, fate draws us back together. Your enemy is my enemy. His name is Safin. And what does he want? Revenge. Me. When her secret finds its way out, it'll be the death of you. You can imagine why I've come back to play. There's a young lady in Santiago I want you to meet. You're late. When you're ready. Salute. I met your new double O. She's a disarming young woman. I get why you shot him. Yeah, well, everyone tries at least once. James Bond. We both eradicate people to make the world a better place. I just want to be a little tidier. Come on, Bond. Where the hell are you?
نگفتم عزیز to tell the good from bad villains from heroes these days what is it i don't know what this is he's going to kill millions if we don't do this there will be nothing left to save thing to realize that I have seen so many James Bond movies and I don't know if I'm really a James Bond fan. That is how ubiquitous the movies have become. And I guess from being, you know, a young fella watching with my family on a Saturday night to periodically seeing some movies and skipping others without any real rhyme or reason. I've always had an eye on the Bond films. Uh, I find them... (laughs) This is probably a a damning moment, but I I find them really handy when I'm doing my tax. Yeah. Yeah. What a selling point, right? But it's like you can kind of ignore them while they're happening, and then it's like, oh, here comes a big set piece. Now I will watch the set piece. Oh, that was really good. All right. But add these numbers together again. So... (laughs) But... Uh, as I said, not really a massive Bond fan, but I, I did find a proper love for the character with Daniel Craig's first foray in Casino Royale. That was the first time that Bond felt real to me, and being able to jump in at the ground level with the character was a real thrill. From there, the Daniel Craig era has been up and down. Quantum of Solace was undone by the Riders strike. It's a shame. I'd love to know what, how that movie could have turned out if things had gone as they had, uh, you know, looked like they were about to proceed to. Uh, but then you get Skyfall. That was a triumph. And then Spectre was a misstep. And these Bond movies did eschew the one-off adventures that previous iterations enjoyed and built a world that was steeped in history and full of characters who had personal relationships with 007, as much as anyone can with James. So we now arrive at the final Daniel Craig Bond, and it feels more like when we say goodbye to the latest iteration of Doctor Who, another fictional British character who continues to find ways to live and entertain. I found this latest movie to be fun. I enjoyed it, but it is also slightly strange. And so while I enjoyed it overall, there seemed to be many moments where the action was about to really kick off and take me somewhere exceptional. There were set pieces that promised to deliver something new, but it never quite achieved those potential highs for me. And in the end, left me nodding my head as I acknowledged it was good without ever really being thrilling. Uh, I guess there's a few problems with me for Bond, the first of which is that I don't really care about him as a character. He feels like such a relic of a bygone era, and while there were nods to this over the years through the latest era, it didn't ever quite gel as a through line. Regardless of where people sit on the Dark Knight trilogy, those movies are a singular vision that has a special type of alchemy that brings together writers, directors, musicians, actors, and the rest of the team, and they come together to give you what feels like a definitive view of the character. It doesn't need to be the defining version for you, but you can't help but say, no, 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 they have a clear idea of the type of Batman they wanted to present. And these past five films kind of aim for that similar type of continuity. 
But while there is a clear break from the past with the Casino Royale soft reboot, we've had different writers and directors take their turns. Well, you know, in Quantum of Solace's case, no writers. So the story doesn't quite feel as fluid as it could have. There is also the fact that the Bond movies have inspired a legion of fans who have gone on to become directors themselves and writers. And in the process, they've created work that has superseded the adventures of Bond. Why see a Bond movie for the spectacular gadgets and the amazing things that can happen when you can watch the Dark Knight trilogy, Inception or Tenet? What can you get excited about in a Bond movie that you can't get excited about in a Mission Impossible franchise? And that is a set of movies that just seem to get better and better and they go from strength to strength. And who knows where crazy Tom Cruise is going to take that next film. Isn't that being filmed in space, that crazy arsehole? And how can you get into Bond as a character when you have the original Bourne trilogy? You know, the... The last Jason Bourne film is a misstep, but uh, the first three are great. And, you know, I kind of don't mind uh, the Bourne legacy. I just think uh, the payoff of all things to the to the final chase is a bit of a letdown. But, you know, 4 out of 5 is still pretty good. All these long-term Bond fans have gone on to take the inspiration from 007 and make movies that feel more relevant and vital than ever before. Uh, There was a lot to like about the movie, though. I don't want you to think that I didn't have a good time. Uh, There's jokes in the script which are genuinely really funny. Uh, And there's also, you know, some classic kind of Bond lines that they get the balance right. You know, there's some kind of corny lines, but they're they're kind of welcomed. And I swear you can feel the influence and work of Phoebe Waller-Bridge in specific moments. My favourite character in the movie is barely in it for long, actually, but I loved... Anna Diarmas as Palomar, who feels young in all the right ways to Craig's Bond. If they brought this character back in some capacity, I would be totally into seeing her again. She's beautiful, capable, she's funny. There is uh, an early line about how long she's been on the job. <laughs> that feels very relevant to the divide in uh, certain generations now. And uh, the way Daniel Craig uh, uh, reacts to it is really funny. So I I love that whole segment. That's about, uh, it's probably about an hour into the movie or maybe even a little bit shorter than that, maybe 45 minutes into the film. Uh, It it doesn't last long enough for my liking. I would have definitely uh, kept that character around for longer. I know that Bond has a tradition of bringing in someone just for a short amount of time but she was so good <laughs> and their uh, their relationship and the way they bounced off each other was fantastic she's a really good actor so i would like to have seen more of her uh, lashan lynch as the new 007 nomi is excellent but after a pulsating introduction she gets a little lost in the mix she still gets some good lines and she's cool and uh, she's definitely someone I would like to see more of. But, uh, you know, there's a lot that this movie is trying to do, and uh, unfortunately she kind of gets a little bit sidelined after an excellent introduction. Uh, Naomi Harris, Jeffrey Wright, Rory Kinnear, Ben Whishaw, and Ray Fiennes are not just excellent actors, but they bring humour, pathos, and drama to their roles. If anything, I would have liked a lot more of them throughout the film, especially Wishor as Q. Like, he is so good, and I just love him as an actor so much. And I think his Q's really funny, and 
yeah, I would love to have seen a little bit more of him. You do get uh, slightly more of him in uh, in the movie towards the second half, but you know, I'm I'm just being. Um, you know, <laughs> selfish. I just wanted more. Uh, look, I have to say I'm not a Christoph Waltz fan, so the amount of screen time he received was enough for me. It's only uh, a cameo, really, but uh, that's fine. Uh, Leah Sado as Madeline is fine. Uh, I think she's a, a good actor, but maybe I need to go back and re-watch Spectre to remind myself as to why her character was so important to Bond. Like, there's a little bit too much telling rather than showing. And I, look, I only ever saw Spectre once. I did not enjoy that movie that much at all. So maybe I need to go back and uh, reacquaint myself with that character. Um, the real loser in this film is, unfortunately, Rami Malek as Safin, who doesn't get enough to do. And when he does, is it's weird. He's somehow over the top while underplaying every line. And I really like Rami. Uh, I'm a big fan of uh, previous work he's done, especially Mr. Robot. That first season, he's just unlike anyone else. And, uh, yeah, they're just, I don't know, it's, it's... He's kind of set up to be something, and then he's not, and then he's... Uh, yeah, I don't know. They just kind of... Uh, didn't quite know what to do with him, I think, and therefore maybe Rami didn't quite know how to uh, play him. But I'm a fan of his, so it was it was a bummer to see him not be very good. Uh, the reason you watch the movie, though, is Craig himself, and he's once again excellent as this version of Bond. He does feel the most lived-in version of the character, and if you're looking for a Bond who feels the weight of the life he's lived, then this is the one for you. And, you know, there's lots of great set pieces... Of course, there's, you know, incredulous villain motifs, uh, lots of nice acting. But this is all about the end of the film. And this movie really leans into an old school Bond movie with the villain having a secret lair that is the type of island that Dr. Evil would be wrapped with. And, you know... I don't know if I'm reading too much into it, but I feel like there's even a Mr. Bigglesworth-esque kind of reference when Bond visits Q, which is quite funny. So through the movie, we've discovered the real reason for Madeline's strange behaviour, her real feelings for Bond, and we are given the revelation that she has had his child. And these are all good plot points to hit, but for me, they kind of lack impetus because there's just a little bit too much going on. Like, we've kind of gone back to that old kind of Bond with the you know, evil island kind of thing, you know, uh, the, the the place where the, the bad guy is masterminding the end of the world. And then there's this child that's being brought into it. And it, it doesn't really mean anything for me because I've, I've never really heard Bond over the previous movies talk about the life he'd rather lead. I've never seen him pine for a, for a simpler time. He falls in love, he's betrayed, his original love dies, he makes a new one, he retires, but then comes back to the fray. And these are all great story plot points to hit. But I don't really know what Bond feels or cares about. Like, he's having a peaceful time in retirement, but he also comes out of it pretty easily, like he's been secretly in training this whole time. When he meets the little girl that is his daughter, Madeline denies it, even though she has blue eyes like Bond. So, you know, she's quite clearly lying. But, you know, that kind of takes us away from a proper kind of bonding session, pardon the mild pun. Uh, He's 
he's protective of her, but we don't really know what he thinks about having a daughter. We have no idea if maybe he would have liked a family. Maybe he would have liked to have just been looking after a child that is his. Uh, is this a life that he craved in any way? We don't really have an emotional response to him discovering he has a daughter because we never really see it happen. We don't feel it happen. In the end, with time running out, Bond saves the day and sacrifices himself to not only end the threat, but also because he knows he can't be with the new family due to you know this plot point of DNA nanobots swimming in his bloodstream. It's all very complicated and it's it all makes sense when you're watching it and look it's a good last scene it's a worthy last scene for the daniel craig bond but it's kind of more interesting than emotionally satisfying this is quite different to the end of the dark knight rises now you might not like the end of that but as the movie moved towards its ending i realized i had no desire to see that version of Bruce Wayne die. And why would I? I've just spent all these movies getting to know him as a kid, seeing him grow up, his mistakes, his triumphs. But the important thing is that while it might not be your version of Batman, it is definitely that universe's version of Batman. It is the version that those creators wanted to present us with. And one of the things that we know very early on, is that while he wants to continue the good work of his family and save his city, he does crave a quieter life, a time when he can stop all of this. I know that's a criticism of the movie, but for me, it meant the character was as close to being fully formed as a person than any other iteration. Like, you know, people say, oh, why would he want to do that? And it's like, well, in this version, being Batman's hard work, <laughs> and he, you know, physically and emotionally, you know. So when he gets to the end and he has an opportunity to make a choice and live a quieter life, it, it makes sense. It's all there in the DNA. James Bond has never reached that level with me. So when he dies in this, if anything, I was more fascinated that they chose to end the series this way. And in the process, I didn't really care. Maybe you prefer your action heroes in these types of franchises to be more two-dimensional. And, you know, maybe I'm overthinking it. But I didn't really care in the end. And I, and I like Craig's Bond. Uh, I probably like his Bond the best of them. So I found my reaction to this to be pretty fascinating, actually. It, it kind of took me by surprise. You know, it's like... Um, you know, in uh, Doctor Who, when, when the Doctor changes, it's it, it's really emotional. Like, even if you haven't quite been into the Doctor or that version of the Doctor, you know that it's uh, it, they've been around for a certain time and it's, and it's somebody's. It's somebody's Doctor. And they always make a big deal out of it. Uh, I feel like... Um, I think there's the Matt Smith doctor when he's leaving and he it's kind of a little like a little bit of meta commentary and he's he's saying you know I'll I'll always remember the time when I was the doctor. And you know there's that theory and it doesn't hold up because the movies were never made with this in mind. But you know there's the theory that 007 James Bond is the number and the name that's given to each operative. So there's that way you can suggests that Sean Connery and Roger Moore and George Lazenbury, all all of them were James Bond, but they were different people who were given that moniker and went on to, you know, live those adventures, right? Maybe this movie could have done that. Like, maybe this movie could have lent into, 
you know, when they discover or when James discovers that there's a new 007 and it's a woman, he could have made a joke. Oh, do you get the name Jane Bond? And they could have said, well, no, they've they've retired that name along with you. And you go, oh, okay. So there's been previous ones. And then maybe the final scene could have been a moment where his the love of his life and the mother of his child is speaking to him on the phone and she says, I never... I never found out your real name. And he, Daniel Craig could have said something along the lines of, it doesn't matter what my name was before. All you need to know is I was Bond, James Bond. Boom. Big explosion. You kind of, it would be emotionally more satisfying because it works within the context of the story, but it also works on a meta level of, yeah, this was a whole generation's James Bond, and now he's going. Oh, that's sad. So that's how I would have done it anyway. The other thing is, you know, I sit around and I like to have a chat with whoever I've seen the movie with and watch the credits, and the final credits undercut it by stating that James Bond will be back. And all the Bond movies do this. At the end of the credits, they all say that Bond will be back. But can I at least savour the theatre of it all by marinating in his death for longer than the 10 minutes worth of credits. It's like a big fat reminder that in the end, James Bond is a money-making machine run by corporations. So don't fret, we'll reboot pretty soon and we can do it all again. It's why I have no real emotional desire to see the Batman. And I kind of don't really give a shit about the Ben Affleck Batman. I was satisfied after the Nolan run. I'm not saying don't bring the character back. I think there should always be a version of that character for a new generation. But to bring him back so quickly means I have to invest in a new version before I've been able to run my course with the previous man under the cow. And don't remind me that Bond will be back before Daniel Craig's ashes have blown to the four corners of the world. So it was a bit frustrating. I guess what I'm saying is that I enjoyed the film as a spectacle, There's some wild set pieces. The supporting cast is great. And even if the villains leave you cold, it was nice to see Daniel Craig as James Bond one more time. I just feel like it was on the precipice of brilliance. And instead, it was good. It was really good. But, uh, you know, I, I think Daniel Craig could have really done with a slightly better film. And I think he would have really delivered as well. I think he's been great. This is my advice. If you're curious, see it on the big screen. It does look amazing. It is definitely a date night movie. And you know what? If you're looking for a film that is fun, but ultimately not as deep as it aims for, then this might be the movie for you. I enjoyed it. I didn't love it. I thought it was really good. Uh, But I do know that I will miss uh, Daniel Craig as James Bond. And I guess, you know, any minute now, we'll find out who the next one is. That brings us to the end of this mini podcast. I'll be back next week with new Doctor Who and Rove on Monday. And then our next David Lynch movie, The Elephant Man, on Tuesday. And then on Thursday, it will be Space Podacy. Our film that uh, we're going to be covering is uh, E.T. Oh, 
My Lord, have you seen E.T. recently? It's so good. I'd kind of forgotten how good it is. Uh, also, if you're a member of our Patreon, you'll also be receiving our next Q&A episode with comedian Cameron James. So head over to Patreon to sign up for that. I reckon that might come out Wednesday. Uh, so I'll try to get all of that sorted for you. Uh, also, a big thank you to our Patreon of the episode, Laura Elliott. Uh, thank you so much for subscribing and your contributions to the podcast are greatly appreciated along with everybody else. Uh, if you're enjoying the podcast, please leave us a nice review on Apple Podcasts or even recommend us to people that you think uh, might enjoy the nerdy deep dives we do here on Art and Entertainment. Let's finish today with a quote from Daniel Craig. The idea of regretting not doing this seemed insane to me. Sitting in the corner at a bar at age 60 saying, I could have been Bond, buy me a drink. That's the saddest place I could be. At least now at 60, I can say, I was Bond, now buy me a drink. (laughs) Love it. Until then. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.